I'd say. But right now, it's <laughs> a very great, nice, very nice. Two great songs. <laughs> yeah. Well, drunk, drunk, a personal favourite. Yeah. Yeah. What's it? Uh, no, no, actually, I'm, I'm not a fan of Marseille. Um, but uh, now I'm joined by Dr. Phil Ferguson, Sarah Martin, and John Moore. Good morning to you all. Good morning, everyone. Oh yeah, Morena. All right. Um, now. Let, let's begin today. I want to start with. I'm kind of reversing the way you put it in there uh, this morning, uh, last night, John, because uh, I want to start with what was going on in a swearing in day, because I, I feel that works a bit into the next topic a little bit easier. Um, you know, it came time to elect a speaker. Uh, a couple of days ago in the House, and all hell broke loose. What exactly happened? Yes, all hell did uh, break loose, so to say, and it was all a bit of a circus and all a bit of a shambles, engineered by National. Um, but some would say, fair enough, they are the opposition and that's their job, to mm. create a shambles. So basically uh, it was the first day of the House, of uh, opening of the House for the new government. Um, MPs would be sworn in and also the House would get to vote on who is the Speaker. So the, the Speaker is sort of like the, the referee of, of Parliament, um, who who sort of adjudicates between MPs. There's a bit of argy-bargy going on. The, the Speaker might kick someone out in, in an extreme case or just censor them. Now, uh, Trevor Mullard, um, former Labour Party Cabinet Minister under the Helen Clark government, he's been lined up and has now been elected mm-hmm. as Speaker of the House. And that had been essentially agreed to uh, between the National Party and the Labour Party. Um, now, uh, National claims that uh, in, um, as they were sitting down, uh, waiting for the vote to proceed, they noticed that there were a number of Labour Party MPs absent from the House. And they did a quick head count and they thought, well, maybe uh, Labour doesn't actually have the numbers to um, pass anything or vote anything through. Now, normally um, MPs would get a proxy vote if they're away. However, because this is the first day of the House, uh, um, any MPs away hadn't been sworn in yet, Mm, so there's no proxy vote. So if National actually had the majority of MPs with bums on seats, then it could kind of do it. it. for that day, controlled the House. Um, so National threatened Labour, saying, well, maybe we won't vote Trevor Mullard in. Uh, this is a job that uh, Trevor Mullard has dreamed of, his dream job for yeah, quite yeah. a while now. So Labour absolutely panicked uh, and conceded um, to National on allowing more uh, positions in select committees. So... Um, it actually been agreed to uh, under the previous government that select committee positions would go down from 108 to 96. Uh, again, National had agreed to this. Uh, all parties seem to have agreed to this. And then, so on the opening uh, day of the House, uh, National turned around and said, no, this is undemocratic. Uh, we want the number of positions in select committee to be retained at 108 and uh, quickly got uh, Labour to concede on that if National agreed to vote through Trevor Mullard as Speaker of the House. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was all a bit of a shambles. Uh, Labour got egg on its face. Uh, um, it possibly is going to play into a narrative that National are going to push from now on, that this government is disorganised, it's not competent, uh, doesn't know the rules of the House, and it, uh, although it formally um, is the government, it's not actually going to be able to function as a... It, it, is a um, strong government. Um, Phil, can Labour count? Because uh, it seemed to me that they had the, they actually had the numbers. They did have the numbers. The and year, they were yes. going to be fine, but then they came out the next day and said, well, we wanted to have a stronger mandate. 
than that. Yeah, and I think that was part of the problem that they spun it. Um, well, A, the, I guess the, the part of the problem was that they got flummoxed and instead of, <laughs> yeah. uh, of, of doing a proper count um, and realising that they did have the numbers, they freaked out <laughs> and they conceded all these uh, positions to National. And then when it turned out that they did have the numbers, and National probably... Yeah, you know, and gathered that they they had the numbers. Um, they spun it and made out that they were just trying to be trying to be generous. I mean, really, it, it is a kind of storm in a teacup in the sense that it's not about politics, and you know, national gets some more people on on select committees. Um, but I think if national wants to show, as I, I think, um, as John rightly pointed out, that the government is a bit inexperienced and a bit, in, uh, you know, incompetent organisationally. They're probably going to be able to do that. But any opposition, you know, that wants to be picky can do that. Yeah. It, what's really going to be interesting is, you know, what they're going to do when the policy matters come up. Mm-hmm. Now, Sarah, um, with this concession on on um, select committees, there was, you know, it went down to ninety six. That was, um, you know, that was agreed to by all the parties while National was in government. Now National's come out and said, no, actually, that's undemocratic. Um, so is, is National being hypocrites here, or is it just dirty tactics? Oh, I think uh, National's just trying to maximise opportunities to oppose legislation, um, Labour legislation, um, and maximise opportunities to, uh, you know, cause have, have debate in select committees. And, you know, fair enough, that's what an opposition does. Um, uh, yeah, I think obviously Labour has um, made a, you know, they had a, it was a bit of a... Uh, a screw up, um, and they're just going to have to learn from this because national is organised. It's fierce. It's um, it's going to play dirty, and um, it's just you know it's politics and labour. It's going to have to learn a tough lesson to be more organised itself and to um, have a pretty tight control over what's going on in the house. But yeah, I mean, you know, national's going to do what it, it needs to do. Labour's got to do what it needs to. do. Yeah. Um, of the game, really. Now, pre-going in there, when they discussed that Trevor was going to be the Speaker of the House, they also said, uh, you know, they'd already given Anne Tolley the deputy role. Yeah. They talked about that. So what does that really mean, to have an opposition uh, MP uh, being the uh, deputy Speaker of the House? Um, it's really no problem. Uh, uh, the Speaker of the House is, is uh, meant to be neutral, and um, I think in almost all cases, Speaker of the House... The Speaker of the House has played that role in, uh, in a sort of distance way from, mm. from the party that they might actually um, uh, belong to. Uh, Lockwood Smith, for example, was uh, when he was um, Speaker of the House, was seen as, as very fair uh, and, and tough and uh, was respected by all parties. Um, and um, I think Trevor Mullard, uh, is, uh, as I said before, National had actually uh, accepted that he would be Speaker of the House. They weren't going to contest that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having Anne Tolly as uh, Deputy Speaker of the House, yeah, really is no problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, this, think, I think there's an incentive for the Speaker of the House to be quite impartial as well, because often they're looking to be appointed to be, you know, High Commissioner in London yeah. <laughs> or some other diplomatic yes. post, and they don't know who's going to be in government or, you know, what numbers they need. So they want to be, you know, keep on reasonably good terms <laughs> with, with everybody in order to assure the, 
the gravy train ride at the end of their term as speaker. That's sad. That's really sad. <laughs> That's careerist politics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, um, this comes up. What's that? Do you I keep calling him Mallard. It's Mallard. Mallard. Yes, yes, I know, I know. I noticed that too. I just thought I'd let them run with it. <laughs> now, um, now, this all comes off the back of uh, Bill English um, saying um, that it's not National's job to run the place. Um, it sounds to me like um, he's, a, you know, he's like a little kid at a birthday party, a little Ponzi kid that didn't win past the parcel. Um, so he's going to ruin Timmy's birthday. You know, he, d- he didn't quite get there, so he's like, well, we're going to make it as hard as he can. It kind of sounds like what, you know, you'd expect in the House of Representatives in the United States. Yeah, and I think uh, um, I think that's a very good point, and um, I, I, I would imagine that uh, national insiders uh, and advisors are looking at the Republican Party in America and, and how um, both parties, the uh, main parties in America, the Democrats and the Republicans, will use rules uh, of Congress to, to thwart uh, the process of uh, legislation to, and so uh, Bill English's statement, yeah, saying that well, it's not our job to make it easy for the government, indicates that uh, um, National uh, will be playing the type of role that uh, uh, parties do in America and using all these loopholes and, and uh, procedural rules to actually hold up legislation, um, which I think uh, is exactly the type of thing that puts the public off politics, yeah. parliamentary politics and in America, uh, regardless of whether people uh, are Republican supporters, Democrat supporters or don't vote, uh, people have an incredibly low opinion of the Congress in America. They see it as a, uh, a, a, an unworkable uh, uh, collection of swamp dwellers so to say. And I think there's a danger here in New Zealand that uh, opinion, uh, people's opinion of politics will even uh, reduce more if national suddenly goes for these dirty type of tricks, which isn't about debating policy and, and pushing forward ideas, uh, which is the role of opposition, to say, hey, we don't agree with this policy, we mm. don't say, we don't agree with free education, it means that uh, um, uh, checkout operators are paying for uh, the rich to go to university. That's uh, not an argument I agree with, but it's a legitimate argument to push through, and we need those types of debates. But the type of tactics that National engineered on Tuesday, to me, really have nothing to do with what should be um, the heart of politics, threshing out ideas and debate and, and, and how we can build a better society. Yeah, you got to also realise that those shop out, uh, those checkout operators are going to be better off under a Labour government anyway. Uh, the, the, in terms of finance, uh, the kind of money they're going to be getting, so um, they may be helping some rich kids get along the way. But you know, those rich kids are going to be paying more tax, and uh, those people at the bottom are going to be doing a little bit better. Yeah, that's a strong counter argument. Yeah, the type of discussions we need. But I mean, Sarah, is this? Um, you know, do you think is there a fear that National might just disrupt things, even if they're kind of for one just to make the government look weak you know even oh, if they like, I think it probably will I mean I think it's interesting isn't it we usually we used to a defeated opposition aren't we when there's a, um, a change in regime yeah. to the opposition being uh, you know spending some time looking at wounds and recovering from uh, from a defeat but national isn't bringing with it this sense of defeat it's, it's um I mean there's a strong there's a quite a strong discourse with the national that they were cheated and they were robbed um, of, of an election victory so it's quite an unusual dynamic I think for us not to have this kind of cowed 
um, defeated opposition following the change of regime. Um, I think they will, um, you know, carry on like this, as John says. But and I agree with John that. Um, it's a shame if it's going to be about um, petty parliamentary manoeuvres rather than debating policy. I mean, my hope is that perhaps with uh, an emboldened and fierce opposition, maybe we will have more of a kind of um, fiery exchange of ideas and passionate exchange of ideas. Um, so that's my hope, that perhaps it does um, lead to more um, debate of ideas rather than um, what would be very damaging um, bureaucratic fighting about procedures, which I, I agree with John. I think that would really undermine people's interest in politics. Mm. What are your thoughts, sir? Well, yeah, I think Sarah made a very interesting point about um, National not licking their wounds and so on. I mean, we've had eight MMP elections and this is the first one where the party that won the most votes and the most seats isn't the government. Mm-hmm. And it gives National certain advantages in that they've got a whole load of people who have been in government, in cabinet, and who know really, really well how these things work. And Labour has got fewer people and, of course, a lot fewer people with cabinet experience. So it's probably going to be relatively easy for National to trip them up. But if they do do that, then, yeah, it just turns people off politics. And I'm not bothered about people being turned off parliamentary politics, but unfortunately it turns people off politics in general. They think that everybody who's interested in politics is some kind of, you know, petty manoeuvrer um, and just wants to to play these kinds of games. And Mm. that's that's the danger. And, of course, the real issue is the political debates that we haven't that we haven't seen yet. Yeah. Just one more thing on on their trickery. I think on on what National did the other day. I also think that it's linked to the stuff around the TPP, where Labour has kind of made National look bad in the sense that they've done things that National said couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. And so National's been kind of caught out on that. Like they were either lying or they just couldn't be bothered. And so now, you know, and so this is kind of, I think, sort of payback. Yeah. Now Labour's been caught out for being incompetent or or whatever. And we might well see, you know, a certain amount of tit-for-tatting um, going on between uh, National and Labour, especially since, I mean, National thinks they should be the government. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, every single time Bill has spoken since the since they lost um, the MMP race, he said he's every every time the sentence we are the, the largest opposition ever has been in every single time <laughs> everything he yeah. said. And he's gone further than that. they're going to use and they use over and over again. Every. It will become boring. I mean, my hope is that I mean this government has shown so far a pretty strong commitment to putting through some strong bits of legislation. We've got. You know, they're going to move on that um, Hobbit law, which um, really yes. rolled back actors' rights to organise collectively. So my hope is that once this legislation, this substantive legislation starts coming through the House, and that it's debating, you know, there will be some big philosophical divides as we see um, the Labour government moving to um, strengthen unions' rights to bargain collectively and some and introduction of those free education. And my hope is that once the substantive legislation comes up, the debate will become more about ideas and um, ideology and beliefs and about, you know, and whose interests um, 
people are governing. So, uh, you know, that's something to look forward to is that we're in that slightly strange interregnum where it is all about procedure and numbers and um, once that's passed and we start getting into the um, leafy policy issues, that the debate will start becoming about um, ideas and beliefs and, and um, I think that will be a good thing. Although I think the problem for National is that uh, there's not a strong ideological divide between uh, National and now and the, the governing parties and that, as Matthew Hewson has pointed out, um, all the policies that Labour are implementing, uh, National could have quite easily implemented and probably so would, some, and probably would have agreed... No, I just that was one of their, their things. I mean, that's a fundamental. I, I, dis- I, dis- I disagree. I disagree because it's it's just a it's not a complete rollback on the Hobbit <laughs> law. Uh, it seems like we're going to only get some amendments, and um, I'm sure if that was, a, say, a condition of uh, New Zealand first going with national, then um, Bill English would have conceded on that point, just as uh, um, Jim Bolger in, in the 1990s conceded on a whole lot of points um, to to get New Zealand's first to support. Hmm. Mm, I, I mean, I think that was Labour policy, not New Zealand First policy. So um, I'm not sure that New Zealand First would have pushed on that one. So That's no. quite true, but I'm saying that uh, I, um, if it meant that um, the only way National could have got into power was conceding on the Hobbit law, say, or a number of laws uh, that National had implemented, um, <coughs> I'm sure they would have, uh, um, yeah, uh, conceded. It seems to me that... Well, oh, sorry, go, uh, go, Sarah. No, I was going to say, but isn't that the reason National isn't in power? Because they were um, willing to concede enough on policy. Mm. Well, I think their strategy, they made a mistake in strategy in dealing with Winston Peters and that they thought uh, that the more um, ministerial positions they offered New Zealand First, that would shore up um, New Zealand First going with National, uh, where it seems that uh, Winston Peters was actually more concerned about policy and uh, Labour got that. Yeah, well, well, no one would have picked that. Um, Now, Sarah, I'm wondering about the select committee thing. Is that going to make much of a difference? What is 108 versus 96 really going to do? Like, in terms of uh, Um, having more people? Well, um, I haven't looked through the numbers, to be quite honest, Amy, but um, the government will still have a a majority. Yeah. it will just mean that there's um, more members of the opposition on the select committee, and John Phil may know, has thought more about this, um, to, you know, delve deep, deeper into the submissions and the process um, and just put up more of an argument. But I I think they'll still have, the government will still have a majority on... However, they'll have to they'll have to have cabinet uh, ministers sit on select committees, which right. and, uh, which is the problem. Um, it's going to yeah. um, with the busy job that it, that yeah. being cabinet minister is. Uh, it's it's, it's going to take up the time and, and arguably waste the time of cabinet minister to have to sit on these these committees purely uh, to to keep a governmental uh, majority on each committee. So uh, as it stands at the moment, uh, the government only has a majority of five, uh, a majority on five of the twelve committees, and so it will have to take the uh, unusual move of putting um, yes, the senior party members, cabinet ministers on um, uh, possibly all the committees or a large number of the committees to keep that majority. So it's just a way of sort of uh, national. Um, yeah, kind of uh, fucking things up a bit, so to say, for, <laughs> for Labour. I think making things difficult for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, well, that's going to be interesting because we already saw that we had they had Labour had five people outside, uh, not in Parliament the other day. So who knows when people are going to turn up? But I guess this is going to mean that they're going to have to be in Wellington quite a lot, no matter what. Mm. Except that uh, mm. once all those uh, MPs have been sworn and um, um, oh, Sarah might votes. know the details more than me, but yeah, you um, um, you can still vote even though you're not sitting in the house. Uh, mm. A kind of proxy vote. The yeah. reason that didn't happen on Tuesday was because uh, because it was the opening of the house. Uh, yeah. MPs hadn't been sworn in, so those MPs like Winston, uh, Winston Peters and uh, Jacinda Ardern, who were away, hadn't been sworn in yet, so couldn't um, uh, place a proxy vote. I mean, this all goes to show how important the confidence and supply deal with the Greens is, really, doesn't it? Mm. Isn't it, Phil? What do you what do you what do you reckon? Yes, it's, I mean it, it's absolutely crucial because um, New, uh, Labour and New Zealand First couldn't really govern alone. It would just be way, way too tight. Um, so it does put the Greens in a very, very strong position, and you know it, it, it'll be interesting to see how much they use that in terms of trying to extract policy concessions from Labour Mm -hmm. and also to see how much they differentiate themselves from Labour on um, particular issues as well because I don't think Labour is going to go anywhere near as far as what the Greens would like around socio-economic issues. I mean there's been nothing about social welfare and yet the Greens wanted to substantially increase um, welfare benefits the Greens also wanted to get rid of all of the anti-trade union legislation, whereas Labour wants to kind of smooth it out to keep a section of trade union leaders happy. But they don't w- want workers to have the right to withdraw their labour. Mm, mm. It's interesting because, you know, I mean, all the commentators, everyone was saying, oh, this might not be that great for the Greens. But now, like, when, you th- when you're thinking about it from the position we're looking at now, what's happened in Parliament and with the select committees... They've got quite a bit of power. Yeah, they do. Uh, whether they know that and whether they will use that power they've got is another question. I was quite surprised on um, um, when the Greens uh, were recently talking about uh, mining issues. So this government is uh, uh, wanting to initiate a conversation about mining that has done national parks. So under the former national government, uh, um, mining in, in certain um, select cases was allowed in, in uh, national reserves and national parks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Labour probably is looking at putting a stop to Oh, that. they have. They did it yesterday. They, they put a definite stop? They have. They have yeah. No more new mines on conservation land. They're, but uh, but not. But mines that are currently on conservation land, my understanding, it's still open to question whether they'll be allowed to continue yeah, well in there, the long there's, term. There's three they're looking, they're, mm. they're looking at, uh, and they do have a veto, and they can shut that mm. down, but who knows? Well, I was surprised when I heard the Greens speak about it that they were quite cautious in saying, no, this is not a ban at the moment uh, on all mining that, that's being uh, carried out. Uh, that the, um, that the, We'll see what happens in the future. Where I think the Greens have, uh, because of their power position, uh, without them there's no government. They should have been far more strong and saying, "Well, no, we think uh, Labour and New Zealand First are being too lame on this. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that that should be a complete ban on on all mining that is being carried out in, in, in national parks at the moment. From their point of view, from the environmental point of view, yeah. I think they should have been pushing that quite hard. And it would have been a way to show 
roll up Labour whereas they seem quite cautious to do that and I, I guess the danger for the Greens is will they go down the road of the Alliance um, the Alliance was in a formal coalition agreement with Labour uh, but even when the Alliance was able to criticise Labour back in the 90s it was very hesitant to do so and arguably led to their collapse so the, the Greens need to be careful not to go down that road when mm-hmm. they got the opportunity mm-hmm. uh, I think they should show up Labour and New Zealand First as being too cautious yeah yeah I think what I mean I think what they'll do is they'll pick and choose their battles and um, they'll try and pursue some wins within those portfolios they've got um, so it's, it's that balancing act isn't it because I agree with you they don't want to be a you know, compromise on so many issues that they become consumed, uh, subsumed by Labour and, and um, disintegrate, as we saw with the Alliance. But I think it's a different relationship. Um, as you say, they are outside um, outside Cabinet, so they're not bound by collective Cabinet collective responsibility. Um, and I, I guess, you know, it's pretty early days, but we may see them um, picking and choosing which battles they're going to fight on. Mm-hmm. All right, well, we'll leave it there. I, I, but I... Um as I just said before, that what they talked about yesterday, or um, the what's happening in the conservation land, no more new mines. Mm-hmm. Um, the existing ones are still there. I think you've, you know it'd be hard pressed to shut them down. I mean, the compensation that the government had to pay alone would be hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but um, no more new mines. I just want to add that at the end. That's amazing. I talked about it this morning. I am so happy. Conservation land is conservation land for a fucking very good reason. <laughs> That's the reason why it's called conservation land. Uh, so well done to the government on that one. Big ups. And thank you all for coming in this morning. Always a pleasure. Thank, thank you. Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks, all right. Here's-